can't expect that everyone is as passionate about racing as we are. can't expect that everyone is able to hear the silent call of the sea at 5am. Not everyone possesses the ability to smell the difference between rich and lean. Nor the ear to differentiate the bark of two cylinders from four. It would not be fair of us to assume that the world understands the yearning and overwhelming compulsion that we have to push through pain, angst, frustration and failure. Some people might not understand the desire to test physical limits conquer fear, or to tangle with the forces of gravity and physics. But we don't make product for them. We look to the future but embrace our past. We study. We analyze. We race on Sunday so we can innovate on Monday. We exercise trial and error religiously. through our commitment to the pursuit of perfection. We learn. How to make products for the people that are capable of dedicating everything to sport. Whether there is a championship involved or not. Alpine stars, one goal, one vision. That's where it all started. 
Big MX Radio, brought to you by Fly Racing USA, is on the air. Fueled by passion, focused on motocross. W Wheels USA, Moto Ice Wrap, Viral Goggle Brand, and Maxima USA make it possible to bring you the news, the interviews, and the point of views inside the sport of motocross. The gate's about to drop on Big MX Radio. Welcome to the Fly Racing Big MX Radio Podcast Show brought to you by Justified Cultures, Traction MXC Covers, and Moto Ice Wrap. I am your host, Brad Gebhardt. With us on the line, we've got none other than Eric Nye. Eric, how's it going? Good, good. How are you doing? How are you doing? Hey, I'm not doing too bad whatsoever. Thank you for asking. It's a beautiful uh, Tuesday evening up here, and uh, a Canadian team just advanced to the third round of the uh, Stanley Cup playoffs. So as a hockey fan, as a Canadian, I'm pretty excited about that. You yourself probably not so, uh, I don't know how, how, how into hockey you are, but uh, either way, pleasure to have you on the show, my friend. Uh, it's been a long time coming, and uh, you are uh, one of the, uh, the guilty culprits of making sure that I was ever so uh, addicted to the sport at a very young age and uh, now here we are today uh and uh t- talking a little bit about uh, your career and uh a-, a facebook post that you made about a week ago yeah exactly yeah i'm uh actually been done racing for 2010 was my last year but uh still love the uh love the sport um especially after the supercross season we just had but uh amen it's uh it, it was it was very entertaining. So I still love the sport. Um, don't ride too much anymore, but I definitely uh, follow it uh, weekly. That's for sure. Watch it on TV. Fair enough. So obviously we're going to dive into your career a little bit, but uh, what's new and exciting in the world of Eric Nye? And uh, um, since uh, removing yourself from full time racing, obviously you still got to pay the bills. Well, what do you get up to <laughs> nowadays uh, to uh, for for your occupation? I am an insurance agent, so yeah, nothing too crazy exciting, kind of opposite uh, of being a motorcycle racer, but uh, yeah, it pays the bills, and been doing that for about five years. Um, my dad had an insurance agency here in California uh, for over, I think, 30 years, so I kind of wasn't planning on doing anything in that industry, but kind of just fell into it, and yeah, I like it. It's it's challenging and it's it's something new every day. So uh it's it pays the bills and yeah, that that's that's what I do now. Absolutely. Uh, it, it seems like uh, you uh, is are, are someone who uh, have, have always just been dedicated to uh, uh, achieving goals and uh, picking up whatever uh, whatever it comes before you and just making the best of it. And that, that's something that can that's something to be admired. Um, like obviously, like, like very similar to yourself like your 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 dad did insurance for a long period of time i lay bricks for a living up until maybe one day when i can do this full time but uh um as far as like your involvement with the sport uh you say you don't ride too much any anymore whereabouts are you located in california so northern california i'm living in uh chico california i grew up in corning california it's about 30 minutes away but um yeah, it's like an hour and a half north of Sacramento, so the north between Sacramento and uh, the Oregon uh, border. So it's uh, it's awesome up here. I, I love Northern California, and uh, been married for uh, going on six years. Have a 
son that's three and a half named Hudson. Then I just recently, two weeks ago, had another son named Nixon. So, yeah, I got two boys. Yeah, thank you. So they're definitely uh, keeping me busy. It's a lot of fun. Definitely a lot of fun. No kidding. Are you going to be a full-blown moto dad, or or what's the story there? (laughs) Um, I don't know. We'll see. Time will tell. I'm not definitely not going to push any of my sons on it. I'll let them do whatever they want. But uh, if they go down that path, I mean, I have some experience, so I could point them in the right direction and help them out as uh, as much as they want or uh, or need. So uh, we'll we'll see. I don't know. It's um. Definitely, like I said, I love the sport. It's so cool to watch, but it's a whole different uh, uh, beast, you know, trying to uh, to make a living uh, racing. So uh, we'll, we'll see what, what they decide to do. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, I know you'd be uh, in full support of their uh, of, of whatever they want to get to, whether that's motocross exactly. or ballet. But, uh, um, yeah, like obviously you'd <laughs> at least be able to point them in the right direction of uh, a good riding coach. Yeah, yeah, they listen. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, um, like, you're now a fan of this sport. You watch it very similarly as do, do myself. And uh, um, uh, I, I'm at the races quite often. Uh, I don't know how many you get out to, but uh, we got treated to an absolutely amazing series in 2017. We saw lead changes for the points. Uh, we saw a, a, a rider that came from 29 points back at one time <laughs> to take the points lead only to lose it the very next weekend and uh we we saw ryan dungy capture his fourth championship three in a row now uh and uh this kind of galvanizes him as a kind of sort of legend in the sport even though um much much maligned in the the time that he raced against ryan villapoto ryan kind of made him seem very very human and with ryan villapoto removed uh you have this heroic figure that appears in ryan dungy um you released your uh your your judgment on the top five top four uh, all times i believe you're speaking specifically supercross guys because you put uh, mcgrath no. second on your list no I, I think that's all all time i believe really? that's all okay, time okay, not, cool. just, not just super i think that's all time yep yep all time motocross right. supercross i'd i'd put uh obviously carmichael as as the best all around yep. i mean i don't even know if that's debatable really <laughs> and then uh after that i think it's anything's up for debate but uh i put mcgrath just for what he did for the sport for supercross i mean he was pretty dominant i mean he was and he was a good motocross racer but i think his supercross accomplishments kind of uh you know kind of outweigh the motocross just for how overwhelming they were so i'd put him second and villapoto third and then dungy out of with what he's done i think he's right in there as well so it's uh like I said, I think Carmichael is for sure the best, but after that, I think it's wide open for debate. Fair enough. Well, I, I would definitely yeah, I don't know. throw... <laughs> I don't know. Uh, do. there's, a, there's a certain guy that used to ride a Kawasaki, uh, got a got a perfect season under his belt in 2007, but uh, I, 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 I would... <laughs> was that 08? Was that 08? 07, I think. 07 was uh, the perfect Stewart. season. 08, he was first year on a... No, I think... Oh, eight was the perfect season, and then for Stewart, yeah, I think so. You could be right. I don't know. It's one of those. So you would put him, yeah. For me, I don't. He won't. I don't know. He could maybe be fifth at the highest on my list. Fair enough. Maybe. So you put you still put him behind Dunge, and uh, that that's that's well, that's, just because the numbers. Um, 
man, the numbers don't lie. I think Stewart, he only has one motocross championship and two supercross. I mean, that's, he's, I think he's definitely underachieved for what he could have or should have done in the sport with his talent and speed. I mean, the guy is probably the most talented out of any of the ones on the top five, but I mean, two supercross championships and one, uh, motocross. I mean, that's gotta be kind of a letdown in my opinion. You know, yeah, actually, if you, but, if you take the thousand foot or the ten thousand foot view of of uh, of James Stewart's four hundred and fifty career, other than uh, the magical two thousand and eight season, and then his uh, his two thousand yeah his two thousand, and then he he won the championship in oh oh nine as well. Oh, oh wait, yeah, oh, wait on the super, yeah, supercross. Yeah, so that's like those two seasons, if you remove those two, it's actually quite a like it's like if you you take that out, it's kind of a disappointment in the fact that there's a lot of years where For he sure. stepped away with an injury, which if you're injured, you're injured, but staying healthy is a skill Part in and of, of itself. Sport. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. then. Um, and then going Supercross only for a while, and even when doing so, uh, although winning some races here and there, no championships involved. Like uh, um, it, it's like I, I actually kind of see it on your side of things a little bit. Uh, yeah. Like, other than those couple of years, uh, like 2005, or yeah, 05 was a was terrible on the two stroke. Uh, oh. One one or two Supercross wins, I think maybe just one. Well, Carmichael, I think, dominated him. Carmichael and even Reed maybe. Beat yeah, him, no, you know, they're they're, but those three were, were, I mean, Reed, Carmichael, and Stewart were just awesome to watch. But I mean, Carmichael oh, yeah. and two stroke he, he didn't lose the, yeah, he didn't lose a championship to him, you know. No. So yeah, you're totally right <laughs> by that. And then uh, yeah, I think just like the total lack of consistency, and I think that's one of the, like the the other than obviously perfect season is rather consistent. But uh, uh, like like I said, if you remove that, there's. Um, there, there's lots of uh, like kind of reasons to point towards maybe uh, James Stewart not being within that that list. And I think like total wins, he's got over. I think he's got over 50 Supercross wins, and then yeah. uh, uh, a couple of uh, an almost perfect season on a 125 against four four strokes, and then a perfect season on a 450. Uh, and, and the Kawasaki, I don't think, was the most uh, potent. Um, Potent bike out there that particular year, but uh, he, he certainly made it. So, uh, but yeah, I think like if it's me, I'm I'm putting him in my top four. I I, I put him below or ahead above Dungey for ahead of Dungey for only one reason, and it's the um, when when Ryan Dungey has in the past his championships, most championships minus maybe this one. Although, like, you, you can argue just the fact that, like, how slow Eli came out of the gate. It just, like, he had such a, uh, like, there's a reason why no one's ever came back from that 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 many points. It, it, it's extremely hard to do. Um, the fact that, uh, like, every, every one of Ryan Dungey's championships, somebody got hurt or somebody wasn't there. And uh, it, it just, to me, yeah. That's one of the things that kind of wears on me about the guy is that like he, like when uh, like for him to win the the outdoor title in in the two fifties in 09, he had to have Kristoff uh, uh, get get hurt and and have his bike break and then um, in two thousand and ten if Phil Poto doesn't break his leg, I don't think he wins that Supercross title and and uh, like if Ryan Villapoto like he, like Ryan Villapoto had 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 Ryan 
Ryan Dungey's number for basically the, for as long as they race together. And uh, if if Ryan Villapoto doesn't kind of exit early as far as uh, how, how much further he could race, like I don't think we talk about three more championships. I think we talk. I think we're talking about Ryan Villapoto being the greatest of all time. Yeah, you very well could be. And the only you know counter argument I'd say to that is it's not you know Ryan Dungey's fault that the other people got uh, hurt and. Um, Right, you know what I'm saying. So, uh, so it's a skill in itself, staying healthy. And obviously, as you know, following the sport so close, closely, that's the biggest negative about it is the injuries. Um, and same thing, you could say that about how you were saying about Stewart's perfect, you know, oh seven, oh eight. If Carmichael didn't, uh, you know, leave leave uh, the sport early, because like at 26, he would have still been beating him, I would think. So. You know, it's just one of those things. You can only race who's uh, who's out on the track. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, that that is true. It's tough to fault a guy for uh, for not beating uh, guys that weren't even on the line. Uh, but yeah, yeah it, it, interesting. Always fun to to kind of bring up that conversation because uh, like there's different eras that come come in. Like uh, with your list, like you basically like everybody from 1993 forward, uh, which mm-hmm. is obviously those are where our, our greatest championships of, our champions have come. Is that that era of the, basically the reason why the 250 class is as popular as it is is because there's a couple. Of guys that made the 450 class pretty boring for uh, oh, 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 about, yeah. about uh, <laughs> the better better part of ten years. So um, exactly, yeah. So it's 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 always an interesting topic, and like uh, people get into uh, Jeremy McGrath's uh, outdoor skills, and pe- keeping in mind that he lost one of his championships by only one or two points uh, to, to Jeff Emig uh, in 2000 or 1996, I believe. So, um, like that, there's there's a ton of ton of things that come into it uh, when when you're kind of, when you're talking about uh, just specifically the 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 greatest and and then kind of like mixing eras and stuff like that. And oh, I like to so kind of throw guys in like uh um like Jeff Ward, who literally has a title on every machine, uh, and, and guys like RJ, who at one point, like when they when they raced less supercrosses, and they raced, um, and uh, he had like championships, he had, and, and that's when they mixed the 500s, the 250s, and then uh, every once in a while, oh, we'll, we'll race a supercross in July, um, like just <laughs> the fact that yeah, they did that, that like that's true. it's to- it's, it's like, so it, tough, it's to, tough to yeah. It's, but it's it's way tough, yeah, for sure. But um, it's definitely fun to do. Definitely sure. fun to uh, say what if and this and that and this person against that person. But uh, bottom line is, uh, yeah, Dungey, and it's weird. Him, I half the people love him, half the people don't, just because he's so like perfect. I would say, and just kind of plain. I'd say is why people don't like him, but. I just felt like he's always kind of gotten uh, not enough credit as he's deserved, just because how tough it is to do what he's done. Um, but he does yeah, make it look I, easy, I mean, though. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then uh, with Eli, I mean, I, there's no reason Eli shouldn't have won this that uh, Supercross championship. I think bottom line is he just uh, he choked the New York Supercross. I mean that that race cost him the championship, and I For think sure. it was it was all on him because I mean take the I mean even with the crash, there's no reason he shouldn't have been able to come back to third or fourth, and then it's still a winner take all scenario in Vegas, and he just froze up after he got up and 
like he didn't even know how to. It wasn't even the same guy that's been the 12 weeks prior. Do you know what I mean? So it's just it's crazy because um, Dungey he crashed in the first turn I think two different times, and he got back to fourth I think both times from yeah. crashing in the first turn. I mean, and those were pretty hard earned rides. I think those won the championship for him, and then Tomac not being able to uh, come back after his crash in New York is that's really the difference I would say, pretty much. Yeah, no, seriously, uh, they say you win the championships on your worst nights, and uh, Ryan Dungey's worst nights were pretty half-decent, like, they're pretty decent. I mean, a fourth. Yeah, I think he yeah, only got like, worse than fourth in, like, two or three years. It's just crazy, <laughs> which, you know, that's that's why he does what he does. Yeah, and and, and that, like, I believe this last weekend was his worst finish in three years and quite likely will be his worst, like, the, la- the last race we ever se- we ever see from the guy. We're, we're, we're hearing rumors you that think he won't he's gonna race. Re- you think he's going to retire? I think he's going to retire, and he's not even going to ride outdoors this year. Really? Okay, I was wondering that. Kind of, so he's pretty much the same path as uh, Villapoto. Um, yeah, I think uh, championship yeah. mic drop, uh, claim an injury, whether it be to his knee, <laughs> whatever, uh, and yeah. uh, right off into the sunset with uh, about $35, 40000000 million in the bank. <laughs> yeah, I don't – who knows if it's that much, but it might be. Um, but, yeah, he's earned it. And if he does that, more power to him. He deserves it. He's got his health, which is uh, important. He's got his money in the bank. And, yeah, I mean, I don't think anyone can fault the guy. He's going to kind of follow the same path as them as uh, Carmichael and Villapoto retiring there about 26, 27. Not, uh, not too bad of a way to go out. No, yeah, I think you're totally right. I think, uh, and like anytime you can write your own ending, I think you go you go ahead and do so. There's there's a lot of guys that I think if you talk to, if you ask James Stewart in in 2009 and be like, hey James, uh, the next seven years for you are going to be a, a be <laughs> butt ugly. Uh, you'll go from being like the like the the people's champ. Everybody like you're still somewhat polarizing, yeah. but people mostly love you. Uh, to um, much maligned and uh, basically there's you know, there's gonna be a few memes out there that actually have, like maybe back in 2009 memes weren't a thing yet. But uh, regardless, <laughs> uh, there, there, you'll be more butt of people's jokes than anything else. He'd probably say, "All right, uh, check please." Uh, so well, for sure, yeah. yeah. Like you said, very few people in any sport can get a, you know, you know, write their own ending. Like yeah. we just mentioned those three. I mean, it's it's tough to do. I mean, just recently in football, kind of Peyton Manning did that. Went out, uh, went out on top after a, a Super Bowl win. But uh, yeah, it's it's definitely. Um, I I like when superstars um, kind of step away at the top. I'd rather see them uh, retire a year too early than retire a year too late. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, I'd be like Brett Favre and just keep hanging around. To the yeah, I just, like, that bugged me how he kept doing that. It's yeah. kind of almost Chad Reed's getting to that point too, which is a bummer because like he was, he was the. I mean, he was a superstar of the sport. I mean, he yeah. was battling Carmichael and Stewart every weekend, beating them, and now he's just. I don't know. It's just I just don't like it seeing when guys hang on, uh, hang on too long. It's just I like thinking of. You know, at them at the the top, the pinnacle of of where they where they were as an, an athlete. But uh, you know, everyone's different, and that's everyone does it a different way. 
Yeah, oh, totally. It's it's one of those things where like we've seen it with other other sports like uh, like goalies in hockey or uh, or quarterbacks like you'd mentioned, guys that just stick around that little. They hang on that one extra year, and um, it just it just go, doesn't go well. And it's you, a disaster. You see it yeah. for them. <laughs> yeah, it's a total disaster. And like like I it's like and if you say if you're a brand new uh, chant like uh, um, if you're a brand new fan of the sport of motocross and i don't mean to to, to any, any disrespect for a guy like chad reed he's earned his right mm-hmm. to be on the yeah. uh, on the line and race these races and uh, and and have the support he has but if you're a brand new fan and you don't know the history wouldn't you be scratching your head as to why this uh number 22 has has such a uh such a great ride over at factory yamaha based on like <laughs> yeah. some some pretty lackluster performances yeah, I mean, I think for him, I mean, as competitive as he is, I think he's probably just as frustrated as oh, with yeah. his results. I think, what he, I think he finished like eighth in the series this year, and he did every round. I mean, I'd say that's that's not where a Chad Reed should should be, and, yeah. and it's nothing against him. He's just getting up there in age. It's a young person sport, so I, totally. I mean, that's that's just that's just the way it is. That's why you see everyone, uh, most people, you know, bowing out. Uh, earlier than, than that just because it's so physically demanding and the injury factor i think is where a lot of a lot of it is with with those guys you know stepping away yeah um so early for sure injuries and uh just trying to match the intensity of an 18 year old inside a 35 <laughs> yeah. year old's body or 30, 30 how old are old yeah like that's that's yeah. extremely hard to do like i i even uh like it, it's bad comparison but when i when i see an 18 year old when I, i'm playing beer league, league hockey like i see him, the kid chasing <laughs> after pucks and i'm like you can have it kid like i'm, I'm not going <laughs> yeah. for that I, I can't say that that would be a whole lot different for a guy like chad when he sees this big quad out there and you're like oh do i really want to jump that tonight like uh yep yeah. yeah and that's that's part of it exactly yep for so, sure FlyRacing.com is the home of quality and innovation. The design team at Fly tirelessly rebuild and retool premium lines like the Evolution 2.0 and Light Hydrogen with features like zipper lock to prevent closure failures and EVO's BOA technology, which ensures the perfect fit. Complete your protective gear combo head-to-toe with Fly Racing F2 Carbon MIPS Retrospect and Fly's entry into the premium boot segment with their sector. All products and colorways are available at FlyRacing.com. Hey, this is Zach Cummins from Phoenix Racing Co. You're listening to the Big MX Radio Show. We're going to commercial. We'll be right back. Justified Cultures is the kind of apparel from the moment you put it on makes you feel like it was made just for you. Quality, comfortable apparel designed for and inspired by the live-what-you-love lifestyle. Woven throughout the moto, desert, skate, and surf culture of Justified is the desire to celebrate human achievement, to inspire and create a modern lifestyle brand reflecting today's generation. Zach Commons, Matty Jesse, Phoenix Racing Co., Dominique Daffe, Cody Matichuk, and John Short are just a few athletes who don Justified Culture's clothing. Passion needed a clothing line to speak to the way that it lived each day. So, we created Justified Cultures. Navigate JustifiedCultures.com to easily view over 40 individual styles to help you make a statement every time you step outside. As presenting sponsor to Big MX Radio, lock in promo code BIGMX17 when checking out at JustifiedCultures.com to receive 30% off your Justified Cultures clothing. Express your lifestyle with Justified Cultures. Live what you love. 
What's wrong, Jeff? I don't know, Jay. Well, you better fuel up with a nutritious breakfast with oats and bran. Oats and bran? I didn't think there was such a thing. That's what I used to think. Now, I start every morning with a bowl of Demigos. For extreme kids like us. Hey, this is Alex Ray. I don't know if, why you're listening to Brad's podcast, but I'll be back on soon. Hey, this is Zach Cummins. All you hosers, quit listening to Nickelback and jump on over to the Big MX Radio Show. Hey, guys, this is Kate Clayson, and not only do I blow uh, Alex Ray's doors off in the track, but I do it at K1 Speed, too. Hey, everyone. Let's take a break and listen to some commercials quickly. Then we'll be right back to the podcast. Thanks for listening. WUSA is your one-stop shop for quality wheel sets in America. All of the best components built for the toughest conditions. Hit up WUSA.com, that's D-U-B-Y-A-U-S-A.com right now, and check out the custom wheel builder selection. Pick your rims, pick your hubs, pick your spokes, even pick your nipples and see what it's going to look like on your bike. On the website, you'll drool over components like XL and DID rims, Talon and Kite aluminum hubs, Galfer and Brembo brakes, and spokes that take a licking and keep on ticking. The same wheels that you buy are built by the same guys we're building wheels for. Ryan Dungey, Jeremy Martin, Chad Reed, and the entire Geico Honda team. And I kid you not, they are not told whose wheels are whose, they just build amazing product. And I want you guys in a set of W wheels. So do what I did and head to WBYAUSA.com today. WUSA, all things wheels. Hey, Big MX fans. Thanks for listening to this podcast and hope you're enjoying it. I want you guys to head on over to TractionMX.com. Traction MX is the place to get your seat covers for any bike that you have, whether it be a Husqvarna, Kawasaki, Suzuki, Yamaha, KTM, you name it. These guys have a great seat cover for you. They're durable, they're flashy, they're eye-catching, and they're one of a kind. The reason why they're one of a kind is because you design your own. You pick the fabrics, you pick the ribs, you pick the everything all the way down to the stitching uh, color that they use on the seat cover itself. Traction MX is your one-stop shop to set your bike apart from the herd 110%. These seat covers start at just $69.95 American, and uh, the average turnaround is a one to two weeks. One to two weeks from now, you could have a bike that's looking completely different than it does right now. So head on over to TractionMX.com, start shopping, start designing, and make something special like for you today. Going viral with Viral Brand. Viral Brand is setting its sights on being one of the leading brands in the extreme sports market. From supercross to snowcross and snowboarding, and everything in between. Viral Brand is working hard to not only bring you premium products, quality eyewear, and killer style, but award-winning support with every sport. 
head on over to theviralbrand.com and get tinted lenses, clear lenses, 10-packet tear-offs, and goggle bag for only $59.99. Viral Brand products are available in the U.S., Canada, and Australia and used exclusively by the Barn Pros Racing MX Home Depot Yamaha team for the 2017 season. Go viral with the viral brand. Hey guys, Bill's Pipes is back, and that means the return of legendary performance. Two strokes, check. Four strokes, check. Since 1974, they've been tuning power at its finest for motocross racers, off-road rangers, you name it. For you two-stroke lovers, the MX2 Bill's Pipe exhaust system is flat out the right choice to make. Nickel works, and the brand new cone look is the right system for the job. When it comes to four strokes, Bill's Pipes brings the RE13 to decimate the field anywhere, anytime. So if you want the same pipe used by Billy Leninovich, Sean Collier, Vicky Golden, and the entire Barn Pros Home Depot Yamaha team, head over to Bill'sPipes.com today and never settle. All that being said, and I, I I I love the analysis, and I love that you're you're a, a very knowledgeable, uh, learned fan, ex pro motocross racer. Let's dive in to uh, Eric Nye, the professional motocross racer. How it all got started, and uh, how you ended up um, sponsored by a shoe company on a KTM, you know, like no link KTM in Canada, coming out from uh, Northern California. Um, yeah, I started riding, um, when I was four or five years old and I always just rode, um, just super fun, everything local, um, even stopped riding for like three, three years from the time I was like nine to 12 or 13, maybe four years, just kind of played other sports. And then, um, my teen years got back into it, um, just started progressing and yeah, practicing a lot more and. Um, but when I was 15, went to Loretta Lynn's in the schoolboy class and I got a fifth there and then just built on that the next year in the, um, B class, the intermediate, I ended up winning, um, Loretta Lynn's and had a little bit of Yamaha support. And then I got, um, you know, quite a bit of Yamaha support after winning that and then just progressed with the amateurs and, you know, did the whole, uh, supercross. Um, thing for the first few years um, with some pretty good supported rides and then yeah it's just so tough and competitive if if you're not on a you know somewhat factory team back then right now it's just it's so tough to to get the the good results and to have the support and make it so you know when I was probably I'm trying to think how old I was maybe like 21 I had an opportunity to go to Canada, um, you know, to ride for KTM Andy White, and because I was I was kind of at a crossroads. I could I could, you know, still try to race um, Supercross and motocross, but I wasn't on a maybe going to be on a good supported team. So it's kind of like it'd be like a small fish in a in a big pond here in the U.S. or try to go up to Canada and uh, kind of be a, a bigger fish in a smaller pond, so to speak. And so I just went decided to do it and 
honestly, it was an awesome decision. I would race Canada from uh, 06 through 2010, so four or five years, and all for KTM Canada, and just loved it up there. I mean, it was it was awesome. Everyone was super nice. Um, just had a great time. Loved loved the tracks. Loved loved everything about it. So it was, it was a great decision on my part as far as uh, going that point in my career, making that decision financially. Just every, everything about it ended up. It was it was great. Um, so yeah, um, that's kind of how it happened. Um, just progressed, and one thing led to another, and then. It's over before you know it. <laughs> 2010, I think I was, uh, so I was like 25, and it just, I kind of had a feeling it was getting towards the end, and it just, um, I kind of broke my wrist, and then, yeah, my career was over. <laughs> it just, it just, it happened. You know, you have such a small window to make it, to make money or do anything with, with the sport of motocross, and but it's it's a lot of fun, no no regrets. I mean, obviously a few regrets, but nothing nothing major. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, uh, uh, it, it's, it was great to always to be watching you up here, and of course you were probably at one one point uh, teammates with Chris Kiefer, who came up and yeah. and was uh, was was ripping. I believe I Lockhart, was. was Lockhart on the team as well that year. So it, um, so not with Kiefer. Kiefer, see, we were teammates in '07. Um, he was, he was, a he was such a funny guy. A lot of, a lot of fun Kiefer. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And in 07 is still when they had, uh, the East and West for the, the 250 right. class. So me and Kiefer rode the West, uh, for KTM. And oh, yeah. yeah, he and was, Willard just, was, he was, East. Just, he was East and he would do 450s on the, uh, on the, on the off opposite coast. So. It was super fun. Um, yeah, all my teammates up there were awesome. Then in 2008, it was uh, uh, me, Ryan, Ryan Lockhart, Miller. and Jeff Northrup. Yeah, oh, he was right. there as well. Yeah, yeah and Jeff out. Northrup. And uh, so it was just we had such a good time. We were all such good friends, and uh, yeah, we're still friends today. And it was it was just a lot of fun. All my teammates were great. Um, just yeah, lots of fun, lots of good memories. No kidding. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> what, yeah. What was it like being teammates with the salty dog in his prime? And he actually had a prime. Most people don't believe it, but uh, he actually had a prime. And then also this kid from Manitoba, who's tall and lanky and scrubs harder <laughs> than anything in the entire world. Ryan Miller, the uh, five hundred one in your program, number one in your hearts. Man, he was so young. Like he was just such a young kid when he was was on the team. Yeah, and he was so talented. Um, and uh, yeah, he was just for whatever reason he was just. Sometimes you'd see him riding. It's like holy cow! Like what could this kid could be? Definitely good, but he just yeah never. I think injuries and I don't know focus and this and that. But I mean, I remember his parents. They were the nicest people when we were up there oh yeah um yeah just the did night you get to go people. ride at his track at home or yeah one time one time i did uh after after morden yep so yeah just great like i said up there in canada everyone is so nice and just a lot of fun it's, it's a whole different uh like people just don't understand how how it is racing 
racing up there. So, <laughs> um, like I said, but with, with Lockhart and, uh, and Northrop, it was, well, I mean, we were riding all the time and, uh, yeah, and having a good time. No kidding. You really did kind of, uh, uh, pass right through one of the kind of like almost the golden era of Canadian moto, yeah. uh, like the, maybe a couple of years even prior to that, um, with uh, JSR still in the two stroke for a bit there, and uh, yeah, and Clat coming through. But uh, yeah, just like those 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 great uh, those great teams with like Beaton was up, and then Sharon was was all there was there all the time. Yeah. Evan Lawfridge, um, I think uh, Galdi yeah. was still racing at least quasi full-time at that time uh and <laughs> in the early course, yeah maybe like oh six or oh seven yeah yeah but and then of course the uh the the announcers always make uh the, the battle for 31st uh sound exciting so yeah it, it yeah awesome. I, I would like i i'd agree with that i was through it was a golden era it was kind of even before i got up there in the early 2000s it was i hear it was really good too um even i think more teams and, and more riders um and then so in 08 was the first year they did the uh um 250s were the full uh full series which yeah. was awesome i think that was a way better idea um yeah because then because before it was such a short series i think it was four or five rounds but with the, with the full series it was it made it a lot better and definitely it was i think um a, a better way to go so, uh, being teammates with Michael Willard and Chris Kiefer, two guys that uh, uh, are, are not shy with the ladies whatsoever, uh, what was it like uh, like uh, chasing those two guys around? Because uh, um, I can only imagine uh, – because basically what it sounded like was that uh, Kiefer was there to babysit Willard, but who was babysitting Kiefer? <laughs> yeah, good, good point, exactly. Uh, yeah, you nailed it. Those guys were just <laughs> a kick in the pants. Andy did bring Kiefer up most of the time to to, to overlook Willard. Um, <laughs> that's that's a true statement. That's, 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 that's why. Yeah, that's that's why Kiefer was he was he was a lot of fun. And Willard, man, that he could. Yeah, I don't know how he did it. Partied so hard, and then be able to go out on the track and just. Be phenomenal. I mean, the guy was so talented. So yeah, he talented. got a championship, did he not? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he got a champ. I want to say it was like I want to say the 07 oh, East title. 07 East, because then yeah, because then I won it for KTM in 08 for the when it was the full series, and yeah, because KTM had won it. Cause they won the East. I don't. No, they didn't win any of the West ones when I was just doing the West. But, oh, because uh, that was uh, Jimmy Nelson. Jimmy Nelson, yep. Yeah, yep, on the Nelson. year that it just won. poured buckets. Oh, let's see. At, yeah. uh, in Morden. Yeah. And actually, that was the year that uh, Dean Wilson came up and, and won, I think, I want to say Calgary, and won more. And that just kind of like threw a wrench into all the all the points because he like him and, and Villapoto came up that same year. And then no, they, they no I think that was before Wilson well, was came up and went, oh, Wilson came up in uh, 2009. Oh, okay, wow, my my years are way up. Yeah, on. yeah, Villapoto was way before. Wilson was up in 09. Cause I remember because uh, 09, I was actually I got a funny story about Wilson uh, being up there because so 09, I had the uh, number one plate because I won it in 2008, 
Right. So I was, I mean, I was feeling great. I mean, feel like I'm in the prime of, uh, of my career, of my racing. And Wilson does the first three rounds in the West. And he kicked my ass. He kicked all of our asses. And I'm thinking, huh, man, either this guy is the real deal or I just, I just don't have it <laughs> because he was, he was that good. Um, then, he was the real deal. Two years later, he was winning the U.S. Uh, motocross championship. So <laughs> um, we just saw him a little bit before before that, but he was still so fast and and he was he was awesome. And he definitely, uh, yeah, he, he smoked all of us. <laughs> well, let's talk about this mud race in in Morden. I believe it's 2007. Seven, uh, they, yeah. they, yeah, they hosted that race. I want to say no more than five times, three of which were epic mutters, and uh, that's basically why one of the reasons why we're no longer on the series. And there's also some politics <laughs> in there, but either way, um, you had the pleasure of being, I believe, trackside uh, when uh, with st- sitting there with your uh, your your KTM in the like kind of like those sweeping corners uh I believe uh mm-hmm. when when the when yeah. when Jimmy Nelson eventually did take the um the checkered flag in the moto the only 250 moto and amazingly enough was still sending that downhill jump uh in in the rain unbelievable there's more than a few bikes that uh, didn't quite have enough uh for that first <laughs> 250 moto Yeah that first 250 moto it was it was muddy like it, it was not the craziest mud, but it was pretty muddy, miserable. But so I mean, it was it was bad, but not that bad. I forget what I think. Maybe I was fourth or fifth, somewhere in there. But I I hated the mud. But then the 450 uh, moto, that's when it was dumping harder, and it got it got uh, so bad. I was actually. I was happy that they just decided to do one moto that day. <laughs> I wasn't oh, yeah. looking forward to going back out there for that second moto because after the 450s came off, I mean, it, yeah, they were there were some people not making it around. It was that bad. It was it was it was bad. Oh, for sure. And, I remember watching uh, guys that just like professionals that literally just couldn't paddle their way through the mud anymore, and and 450 machines that weren't. That didn't have, that were overheating. I could only imagine yeah. uh, what a 250 motor at that time. Those things were, uh, were were like pressure cookers to begin with. So um, yeah, it would have been inter- interesting. And yeah, no fun for you guys. It was yeah. That like you said, how many years did they host the national? Did you say five? I, I think like it was 0- no more than five. Six, I want to say it was 07 through 2011. And they had an 06 actually. It was the first. Okay, first yeah, year. yeah, yeah you're super right. Super hot. I raced that. No, it was super hot. And then 07 was mud. 08. 08 was it, good. I think, yeah, I think we dodged a bullet. But then, like you said, it was just muddy all the time. On, the, uh, it was practice day on uh, the Saturday, or the 08. I yeah. remember racing. Uh, okay. Um, yeah, it was such a cool track. We just never, we just never got to experience the, uh, the, the track. It was always muddy. <laughs> so, or, or another time, I think you're right, 08, it was good. But it wasn't as good as it could have been because it was supposed to rain, so it wasn't tilled up. Something, you know, or it might have rained on Saturday. So just the track wasn't at its at its, you know, optimal uh condition as far as but it's such a cool layout. Is it still is it still there? 
It is still there. Uh, it's it's still the exact same layout. Uh, like uh, I don't know if sure what your last year was there, but uh, that they they removed the triple triple up the hill uh, after those uh, those sweeping corners, uh, which actually was pretty cool to see. Uh, up until. Colton Fasciati entered that section. I'd only ever seen it as three doubles until he decided, like, no, I can make two jumps out of this, and went uh, <laughs> went three three. But uh, the thing that uh, for those who have haven't uh, ridden uh, more than. Um, know is that or they, they, they don't know is that there's a about a 120 foot uphill step up uh at that race that uh like you gotta Huge. have yeah. yeah you gotta have a 250f pretty ragged out to uh to, think, to yeah that, fourth the gear probably wide open yeah yeah like, fourth gear wide open i think is what it is <laughs> yeah i remember hitting in 2010 and just like basically just pick gears and uh and, and hope that you grabbed enough once you leave the lip yep exactly yeah, that was, that was a cool track. Um, I really like uh, Kamloops. I really like that track, Kamloops. Um, and then all the East Coast tracks I really enjoyed. I think all of them were awesome. Um, you like sand? So, yeah, I did like sand. <laughs> yep, I liked I liked Lee and uh, Gopher Dunes. Um, there, all the tracks were good up there except for. Um, Nanaimo, Nanaimo was was horrible. I don't even know why they they still have it on the series. I don't even know. I think they do. I don't even know why they have that. No, no, no Nanaimo this year. Oh wow, that's that's a plus. Yeah, Nanaimo was the worst. If you like riding on just pure rock, then that's the track for you. Yeah, the uh, uh, the the wastelands is a good name for the track, and oh, fits it to a T. No kidding. And uh, the only guy that I think that likes riding there is a. Actually, I think there's two guys. One yeah. is Kyle Kyle Beaton. The other one is uh, is Darcy Lange. Who uh, Darcy or was, Dusty Clatt? Yeah, you know what? Dusty Clatt was. He was good there. I don't think he liked it though. But uh, uh. <laughs> yeah, but totally. Yeah, like uh, I don't. You never actually really got to race Darcy because the funny thing was is that well, maybe you raced him in arena cross, but come uh, come summertime, he was off in BC uh, fishing and hunting and enjoying the the winnings from uh, from his from his. Oh, his, he, made, he was he was in arena cross his heyday. He made he made him he made he made all his money in the arena cross. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. Yep. yep. That's crazy. For like, sure. uh, like you yourself also raced a lot of arena crosses. Um, like, w- what was that landscape like, basically in in arena crosses heyday? When honestly, as a Canadian, uh, I couldn't get full length supercrosses up until maybe two thousand and nine or ten. Like, uh, if that even. It was always on tape delay, but they would play the crap out of the uh, the arena cross races, where you and guys like Jeff Northrop would uh, w- would do some serious yeah. battling. For sure, the arena cross series is awesome. It's when they, that was back when they had uh, two classes, you know, uh, the one twenty five and a two fifty, or you'd even do the two fifty F and a two fifty two stroke um, racing uh, two nights, two classes, uh, a team. There was decent amount of teams decent amount of riders. It was really competitive. It was, it was a great series. Like you said, Darcy dominated that for whatever, three, four years. Um, made a, maybe longer, but made a good amount of money. Um, it was, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. And even I did quite a bit of arena crosses in, uh, Quebec because that's where, uh, 
KTM Canada is. So I'd go up there and do the arena crosses up there. Those were a lot of fun as well, uh, doing those. Uh, I'm sure they're still going. Do you know if they are or not? They're still having, like, Riviera de Loop and all those races. Oh, yeah. Yes, sir. Uh, okay. There- um, there's, uh, there's a series that goes on there. There's also the feature West series, uh, that, yeah. uh, that runs throughout the, 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 the British Columbia. And I think they go as far, uh, far West as, uh, as, as Alberta now, but, uh, absolutely. Arena cross was, um, was, was really, really just, it was the hot thing throughout the late two thousands. It like basically mm-hmm. like you had a ton of riders that, uh, if they couldn't, if they couldn't make a top 10 in, in Supercross, like there was a shit ton of talent in the, in the super, in the, in the, in the absolutely where you can make, where you can make enough money to, to survive and, and make yeah. a living, you it know, cool. where, it absolutely. I'm very thankful I was raced in the in the era I did as far as the support and, and all that. I, I don't know. Tell me this. How is it up in, in Canada right now as far as, like, the, the local racing? Because um, around, around here, it's just not near the amount of – doesn't seem like near the amount of riders, racers doing the uh, – the races uh, on the on the weekends. I don't know. Is it is it like that in Canada right now? Um, I, I would totally agree. It's it's uh, we're we're in a funny time right now, and I don't know if it's uh, if it's because of the price of uh, of bikes has gone up so much in the last ten yeah, years. Yeah, that's what I was wondering. You, I I personally think that's what it is. I don't. It's it, got it, it, like, I think that's what. A brand new 2000, like when I when I started racing, like I started racing in 2000 or in 1999. But when I first got my first 125, 5400 dollars, you had a potent 125 two-stroke. The thing would like run like a top, and if it ever broke, 200 dollars later, you had a brand yep. new top end. Now, yep. uh, it, Canadian dollars, you're looking at like close to 14,000 dollars to get a brand really? new 250F Canadian, and if 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 the thing breaks, like you don't know how to fix it, I don't know how to fix it. Maybe no. you do, but I don't. And, <laughs> no, I know, I don't know. Yeah, so, so <laughs> like I, I'm taking it to a guy that charges a hundred dollars an hour, and like and 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 uh, there's a whole lot more moving parts in a four stroke than there is a two stroke. That that I think is the biggest thing. I, I think that like the the cost of it, as well as the fact that uh, I I give you this example, or maybe like, maybe this uh, additional argument is the fact that. When like the baby boomers, my parents, your your parents as well, they had kids and they brought them into racing. Well, eventually mm-hmm. that like that age group got to the like the, the age group that I am right now. Uh, I'm spending more money on uh, I'm going to buy a house soon and I'm going to start a family and I'm going to do this that and the other thing like on like that's where my fun money is going towards right now. Well, um, every everyone's disposable income yeah. is less. They have totally. they have less money to to spend on on recreation where before they there was more and it didn't cost as much. Right, and the, but and, I, I think that eventually, when the kids my age or guys my age uh, eventually get to like thirty five, forty, they're gonna have there's gonna be a new influx of of children and, and young athletes in the, within the sport, and that's when I think it'll pick back up again. But only time will tell whether or not the sport really? will have basically priced themselves out of being eligible because we've even seen that with a lot of other sports like. Um, and I think that's why baseball and soccer and football flourish so much is when you sign your kid up for a, a team, typically the, the pads come with it. Whereas with hockey mm-hmm. or with motocross, you sign your kid up and it's got to be like head to toe, kid him out. Yeah, I mean, you're right. It's, it's kind of scary if you think about it. I hope 
I obviously they're not going to go back to the uh, two strokes, but I, I blame a lot of it on the four strokes, to be honest. Um, I agree. Just the the price and everything out. It's just becoming. Uh, it would just become like a rich person sport, and when you have less people in the sport, it just it it hurts. It hurts it all the way to the top. Whereas now, I think at the pro level, the top guys are making tons of money, just as much as they ever have, or maybe not quite as much as like Carmichael Reed and Stewart were making, but they're yeah. still making tons of money. But then after, the, I mean, your guys, you know, 15th, 20th, I don't think they're, I mean, I don't know for sure. I just don't think they're they're making the money. It's tougher and tougher. For, for that, those and because the manufacturers aren't selling as many bikes, so they don't have the the money or the support to support those type of guys. Which it'll be interesting to. See. I mean, I, I'm not for sure, but I think like Seattle and Salt Lake City, there was barely even 40 guys. To you know, pretty much everyone made the, the night show that that were uh, racing the 250 class. So yeah. I, I don't know. It's it's weird to think there's just less people in it. It seems to me. I don't know. Yeah. I hope they figure something out to get get more more riders, more more everything. And uh, but hey, one good thing that could help it out is if they have series uh, like they just did this or this last Saturday in Vegas. If they have more uh, events like that, it definitely can't hurt it. Oh, for sure not. Yeah. Absolutely, I think that a good series is uh, is healthy for the sport. One thing that uh, I've also noticed is that see uh, an influx in just the coverage in general of of off road racing and GNCC and and uh, endurocross and but also uh, like locally. And I don't know if that's the same in California, but we never had. A uh, an actual like an off road organization that even even paid any attention to off road racing and in the last three years, uh, the off road series in Manitoba is is on probably as even footing, if not even a little bit greater than the local motocross series, because like you sign yourself up instead of riders meeting at seven, riders meeting is at nine, uh, and then you get your two hour ride in, and the whole thing is done by two o'clock you crack a few beers and you drive home whereas like <laughs> yeah. i don't know about you but i've had a few fourth motos of the day at a local race starting at 6 p.m and i still got to go to work tomorrow yeah and you waited around all day no yeah. for sure there's and the track there's is definitely some up. <laughs> yeah there's definitely some things that need to be figured out with the sport to uh to help it uh you know uh grow I know one thing, the the channel that's on here in the U.S., uh, Fox Sports 1, is an awesome channel. I mean, it's it's pretty much on everyone's packages. Um, I really like it, watching it other than uh, even not when Supercross is on. So the potential there with the TV package is awesome. Um, now I think they just got to figure out ways to get that championship coming down to the uh, last round, which I, I've heard that they're possibly going to do that chase format, which, I mean, people either love it or hate it. Um, I think it'd be good for the sport, to be honest, because it's so boring when, you know, the title's getting wrapped up two rounds early like it has in the past or one round early to where the final round doesn't even uh, matter. Um, we, we kind of lucked out this year, but I think they're kind of, you know, leaning towards that. Do you know anything regarding that? 
Uh, I, I do. I, I know that they've they they wanted to impl- implement it as early as this year. Uh, I don't think that uh, the manufacturers were big fans of that, and I basically I think it got vetoed. But I think okay. 2018, I seriously think that you're going to see a, a chase format. Um, as a fan, I, I, it's like I, I want to see things come down to the very last race. Um, from from a media standpoint, I, it seems like. Like the the guys are a little bit uh, unsure of how to approach it. Like you see in, in arena cross this year, uh, uh, Jace Owen just smoked everyone for the first uh, was it twelve rounds of yeah. of uh, arena cross, and then uh, the, the chase hits, and all of a sudden he's uh, he's not even second fiddle anymore. Um, so it, it's kind of a it, like it's kind of like I guess. You want to see it come down to the very last uh, race, but also I want to see the the best rider win too. You know what I mean? I think one, I want more. I think rewarding the points leader a little bit more than what they do in arena cross would be probably better. one point kind of yeah one point. Yeah. I, I I agree. Give it that's give tough. it scaled a little. Yeah, for sure. As a rider, I wouldn't uh, wouldn't like it at all, really. But as a fan and just for the entertainment factor, I think it's a must, you know, oh, yeah. do, doing that. So it could come down to the end. Same thing as like other sports hockey, as far as like playoffs going on now, doesn't matter who is best in the regular season. They could get bounced in the first round and then they're, they're done. Um, so that's every kind of sport has like that playoff type thing. So, you know, NASCAR has it. So Supercross, I think they just need to get behind it. Um, yeah, and, and do it just, it's, for the the entertainment factor, um, the excitement, it's just it, it, I think it needs to happen because how many times have we seen uh, like Villapoto wrapped it up two rounds early? He got hurt in Seattle, and it's already won the championship and missed the last two rounds. Yeah, and, but already really wasn't there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, which yeah, most years by when April rolls around. Like, me and all my buddies were like, ah, oh, I can't wait for outdoors. But, you know what I mean? Just because the Supercross series is wrapped up. Um, luckily, this year it wasn't like that, though, which which was great. I totally agree. Um, let's not forget that we are in the business of entertaining people. And if it's more entertaining uh, to go right down to the final round, then that's what we should do. If it's more... Yeah, if it, as long if it, if, as, you know, it's not turned into a circus or anything like that, yeah. which um, it's not going to. That's not making it at all. I just... They need to make it more exciting. Another thing is to make the 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 racing better. I think the tracks could be improved. Or I've heard them talking about doing the multiple main events, which I'm all for. Maybe not every round, but switching it up here and there. Yeah, um, no, it's just trying before. anything. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's uh, more tracks like we had at uh, Vegas that were pretty technical, and it created great racing because you know people were making mistakes, and that's when passes happen. Um, nobody wants to, you know, watch a race where it's just follow the leader. Everyone's doing the same thing, not making one mistake. Uh, kind of like, what round is that? Oh, San Diego, when it was just Roxton and Dungey, they literally followed one another for the whole entire 20 minutes. Nothing, they were doing the exact same thing the whole entire race with, with not one pass. 
yeah, no, mistakes make passing. That's why, and honestly, exactly. that's why that why that that's why the two stroke era was so uh, like when, when we raced two strokes at their pinnacle, people loved the racing because if you didn't time that section perfectly, you're not going to jump that section exactly. Or you didn't, how, you didn't come out of the corner perfectly, you couldn't jump it. Which yeah, maybe you'd get yeah exactly. But oh, that's that's common sense. But I think we got to move forward because I don't think the two strokes are coming back. But we can no, all agree sure the racing not. was. Uh, a lot, a lot better. And like yeah. this year, the best tracks were, I would say, Oakland, uh, let's Seattle, New York, and Vegas. And I'd say the common denominator was the tracks were technical. Like obviously Seattle and New York because of the ruts, but it made it technical. Mistakes happened, made awesome racing. So if we can get those uh, tracks kind of, you know, the technical tracks that creates creates better racing. Yeah, oh, totally. Uh, I, I think you're totally right. When If we can somehow replicate that uh, um, that scenario where guys are just can't be perfect, we'll have good racing mm-hmm. that bunches people up. And uh, you never want to see uh, mistakes being made to where someone gets injured. But, like, yeah. Exactly. Like the, yeah, um, there's a fine line. Yeah, but just, like, have, have – just have it so that – not everyone can rail the outside of a corner, go three, three, three down the length of a football field, touch down again, <laughs> blitz through some whoops, rail around the outside of another corner, and jump a triple. Like you, you can literally freight train that for twenty laps or twenty minutes yeah. plus a one lap, and you're not going to see it pass unless somebody uh, punts somebody off the track. So uh, yeah, which I, when I they're going that fast, not making yeah. a mistake, you can't really go in for a block pass because it'll hit them into the. Uh, seats because it's so fast and a lot of time with those type of tracks the whoops are so small that everyone does them perfect because they're just so tiny uh, yeah no yeah, get mowed down yep yeah so we'll we'll see the sports have an interesting time and uh, definitely I think changes are going to be made and hopefully it's for the better uh, cool. time will tell though Absolutely. Well, I'm glad that you uh, you enjoy the sport as a fan as well as uh, like you obviously did as as a professional. Uh, and it was great to uh, to to see your your career uh, in Canada up close and personal and, uh, and attend some of the races that uh, I, I think I, if I if I leaf through I, I got an Eric Nye poster somewhere around here but uh, um, it, it's really been a pleasure to talk to you my friend an hour-long conversation to kind of like talk a little bit about your career and uh, also uh, like just to, to showcase your knowledge of the sport because it's been uh, it's been really cool to kind of see um, how much you've really just like you, you've you're you're an analyst of it you 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 really understand how everything comes together and I think that's uh, a, a good portion of being an attentive fan as well as uh, a, a racer who understood the system he was racing within. Likewise, yeah. Thanks for having me on and uh, congrats with your uh, podcast. Glad uh, glad things are uh, going well for you and. Hopefully we can uh, catch up at a, a race uh, sometime here here in the near future. And, uh, yeah, and, and best of luck to you with uh, with your podcast. Awesome, man. Well, I, I, absolutely. I think you're going to have to be a repeat offender here on the Big MX Radio podcast uh, because uh, you, you definitely know what you're talking about, and sometimes I don't. So uh, <laughs> have, yeah, I'd be happy to come on anytime. Cool, anytime man. you well, want. Yeah, definitely, we'll have to talk definitely. again. 
Awesome. Well, thank you, Eric Nye, for coming on the show and uh, and and spilling uh, spilling your guts. Um, anyone who isn't already following you on social media, where can they find you? Um, they can find me. I'm on uh, Facebook and Instagram. Um, just search Eric Nye, um, E R I C N Y E, and uh, you'll uh, you'll find me on there. Um, chat some uh, chat about some motocross, supercross, and anything else. Cool, man. Well, uh, I really appreciate you giving me some time this evening. Don't hang up just yet, but for podcast sake, we're going to cut it off right there. Perfect.